Hey friends, welcome to episode 109 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Doris Swift. Thanks so much for joining me. I want to warmly welcome you to the show today. And friends, I am so excited about today's episode. My guest today is Karen Kingsbury. And you know, even though she is a number one New York Times bestselling novelist and her books have sold millions of copies and have been turned into movies and just so many things have been happening in her life with her writing. She is a humble and precious woman of God. And we talk about how she met Jesus. We talk about how God inspires these inspirational stories that she writes. And we get a little bit of an inside track on what's happening right now with a series that's going to be released based on the novels that she has written starring the family called the Baxters, which you may or may not be familiar with, but after this episode you will be. And it's just a great conversation. We're also talking about children's books that she wrote with her son. And she has a ministry that she and her family began called You Were Seen. And it's something we can all get involved in. And I know what Karen has to share is going to encourage, inspire, and challenge you. So listen in while I have a chat with Karen Kingsbury. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Welcome back to the Fierce Calling Podcast. I am very excited today to welcome my special guest. I know that y'all know her so well and love her. My guest today is Karen Kingsbury. She is a number one New York Times bestselling novelist and storyteller. And and I've over the years watching the things that have been coming forth through her ministry and her book writing and what God is doing. She has sold over 25 million books and she now has this book that just launched, which is really exciting, The Baxters. If y'all know Karen and you probably know the family, the Baxter family, and it is The Baxters, the prequel. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Welcome to the show, Karen. It's so great to have you. Well, hello, Doris. Thank you for having me. It's always so fun to visit with you. Love it. You love it too. And you know, it's so cool because I'm a graduate of Liberty University. And so I took a course there uh, for creative writing and I loved having you there. You were just so encouraging and just, uh, you know, watching all of the different videos that we watch because it was online. And so I want to just thank you for that. That was really special how God's using your talents in so many arenas. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's, I love Liberty, of course, like just encouraging those students and they have the Karen Kingsbury Center of Writing and uh, just being able to partner with them. It's it's a university that has truly stayed with, you know, on God's word Mm. and with the passion and and purpose of really making champions for Christ. They take that seriously. So it's, it's an honor to be involved in that. Glad you got to do that. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. I loved it so much. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about your story and then And what I always like to ask my guests, because it's fierce calling, where you're taking action, where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. And so, Karen, go ahead and tell us 
um, you know, however the Lord leads. Well, my story really, I mean, I began writing very young, five years old. I wrote my first book and it was called The Horse and every word was spelled wrong. <laughs> um, I'm not sure why I was writing about horses. Horses generally don't like me. They, you know, buck and bite and all the rest, but I loved it. It was just like, I I'd stapled these pages together, five years old, all the words slanted, you know, down the page, but it was like, it had ignited a fire. And I knew from that moment on that God had called me to write. I wrote all through school, graduated with a degree in journalism uh, from Cal State Northridge in the San Fernando Valley in LA. And then, you know, I, I began writing for the LA Times and the LA Daily News. I first the LA Times and I was doing sports writing of all things to start which was, I think only they just needed someone to fill in. So I kind of got it, you know, the Lord opened a door. And then I moved from there to the front page and I began doing really, really deep and sometimes very sad stories that were the Sunday feature. And from there now, meanwhile, personally, um, in my mid twenties, I gave my life to the Lord. And that was through my relationship with the man I would marry. We celebrating our 34th anniversary coming up so exciting. And he's every bit the love of my life, if not more than even back then. But he was the one that brought a Bible to our first date. And I thought he was so crazy, Doris. Can you imagine bringing a Bible to the first date? He's this, you know, he was this good looking guy. He was actually working out uh, because he had a, a tryout with a professional football team. And so he was an athlete and just very handsome. And then we met at the health club working out. And then got to talking. We had some friends in common that helped. And then he invited me, you know, to a date. And he said, it's okay if I bring my Bible. And I'm like, are you going to show up on a bike? Or I just didn't know what that even meant. Like you bring a Bible, you know, what is that? And so we read, or he read Philippians before we went to the movies. And I remember I didn't know a Philippian from any Ippians. Like I didn't know what that meant. Um, and of course I have Philippians four memorized, but, um, but I didn't then. And I was so undiscerned and it was just very uncomfortable because of the spiritual battle that I couldn't see. And, and he just stayed with it. He kept on talking about the Bible. We dated the next three months. And after the three months we were talking about the Bible and I couldn't, like, I couldn't defend my worldly views. I had worldly views that were like, I believe you should be able to, you know, sleep with somebody if you love them. I didn't, I just like had my worldly views. Like whenever you start the sentence saying, I believe, if it's not anchored on God's word, it's really meaningless, but I didn't know that I wasn't discerned. So I took his Bible, this beautiful, sunny California day, standing next to his car. I was done. did not want to hear about the Bible anymore. And I threw it on the ground doors and I broke it in half no. Bible in half, two pieces. He picked up the pieces. He kind of gave me a sad look and he drove off. And I thought, the ground is going to open up and I'm going to be the first person on the down staircase. Cause I knew, you know, I believed in God, but I got, you can't defend your worldly man-made beliefs by breaking the Bible. Like I knew that was wrong. And so God directed me to this Christian bookstore. So I'd, I'd driven by it all my life, Thought it was the weirdest place. Never came anywhere near it. Now I went there in my panic of what have I done and who am I and what is God doing? Went and I bought my first Bible and I got a concordance, an exhaustive, you know, like there's no apps back then. So I'm carrying these heavy books, an NIV Bible, Strong's exhaustive concordance out to the car. And I began to look up words that would connect with my man-made beliefs and they weren't there. And I could hear the Lord saying, Karen, you can either 
you know, fall away with all your man-made beliefs, or you can grab onto my word and never let go. And so I grabbed that day, um, never let go. My, you know, the guy forgave me. And so now Donald's been the love of my life. My husband for 34 years, we have six children. Uh, God opened the door for me to start writing books as a way to be home with our first child. And uh, four true crime books led to my passion, which was to write books that would change your heart and draw you closer to Jesus. And I knew that even if I was the only reader, that's what I was going to do forever. And I uh, wrote my first one was published in 1997. And now here we are with the Baxter's prequel. Mm, what a beautiful story. I love that so much that your husband or, you know, the first date thing with him was, can I bring my Bible? So girls listen in, you know, if you are praying and God is sending somebody into your life, make sure that they're going to bring a Bible to your first date. Cause that's a good indication that they're a believer. But I love how God drew you in and how he kind of convicted you about that, what you did with the Bible. And then you went and bought your own. So it was like yours and how you were saying earlier that it, it's really a slippery slope when we start talking about, well, I think this, or I, you know, I believe this. And so I, I'm really glad that you brought that up because it is easy to fall into that trap, isn't it? It really is. And you hear it, you know, even, I mean, obviously in the last few years, as wild as things have been, Mm -hmm. one thing that you hear people say is, well, whatever makes you happy, Mm -hmm. that's not a message of Christ at all. Like Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. It's a loving, but very exclusive invitation. Doesn't leave room for whatever, you know, you have yours and I'll have mine and your beliefs, whatever your truth is. Those are all lies. They're just pure lies. Um, the hope and the and the salvation and grace that we have is only through Jesus. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a great starting point, and it's remained my passion ever since. Amen. And I am so glad that we talked about how you came to know the Lord because I think that is so important to know how that happened. And when someone then reads your books, it just brings an even more of a deeper connection. I think because especially you know believers being you know, a family, right? Sisters in Christ. And I'm sure some brothers in Christ read your books too. Um, So that's exciting. They definitely do. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. And then you've had books that have become Hallmark movies, which I love the bridge because that was, that was in Franklin, Tennessee, right? Yes. And that I've remained very close with the people in Franklin and Joel and Carol Tomlin, who are the actual owners of Landmark Booksellers, which is the the store that inspired the bridge, you know, a story of how a flood took out a local community bookstore and how the townspeople came back together to kind of keep it alive and and keep it going. So it was really amazing during the pandemic. I was able to reach out to my readers because I contacted Joel and Carol. They make most of their businesses foot traffic. Mm -hmm. So when we were having to shut down, which in Tennessee, thankfully, was a lot less than in a lot of states. But as we, um, as we shut down, I contacted them. And I said, you know, how's it going? It was like a few months in. And they said, I mean, we may not make it. And so about that time, I had this book, Someone Like You, that was coming out. And I reached out to my readers and I said, you know, someone like you could save Landmark. If you pre-order from them, and they didn't have an online presence at that point. So they actually established an online store. They hired someone to help with that. And a friend, I think, kind of just like helped out initially. And my readers came forward and they, between all the readers, ordered 7,000 copies of Someone Like You 
from Landmark, which they didn't have the capacity even to fulfill. So we did that at my house. Like we had truckloads of books coming to the house and I had people all over the house stationed, you know, one person's flapping books so that, to the right page and then I'm signing and they're getting them in the, anyway, we had this huge production and it saved Landmark, just like the, the bridge was about saving a bookstore. And that happened in real life with the Franklin, uh, you know, landmark booksellers. It was amazing. That is awesome. I'll have to go and watch that movie again now that I know, you know, yeah. some of that backstory, because that's really fabulous how you just had that nudge probably from the Lord to call them and say, hey, how are you doing? And knowing that their love for books and their love for getting the words into people's hands is primarily what they're there for and not in it for the, you know, what's in it for me kind of thing, which is such a difference, you know? It's not about the bottom yeah. line thing. But- and when we do the thing that God's gifted us to do, there is, it is always more of a calling and a passion and, you know, any praise or financial gain or whatever that comes from it, it's all for his glory. And then you get the choice of, you know, how are you going to continue that blessing by helping someone else? So it's, it was a beautiful thing to see my readers all come together. And then I could come back to them and say, someone like you, the title of the book, uh, someone like you saved Landmark. So God is good. That is so precious. I love that story so much. And so now we're talking about the Baxter family and you have been writing those books for quite some time, right? So there's like now these generations coming forth and, you know, so tell us a little bit about what you feel when you write those characters, because they really feel real to you, don't they, Karen? Oh, they do. I mean, Doris, if you and I met, you know, shopping at the store, and I, oh, hey, Doris. And you would say, hey, Karen, how are the Baxters doing? Mm-hmm. I would have an answer. I would have an answer for you. And they're fiction. It doesn't even make sense. But God has put that family so fully on my heart that I can see them and I could see their previous times and their current times and their, you know, I can see them. And so, uh, you know, 20 years ago this month, the first Baxter book came out called Redemption. And then I was going to only have five books. That was what I had planned. And by the time I got to book five, I was, um, the the readers were loving it, first of all. And initially, Ashley wasn't going to make it. She was going to die of a disease. People were loving Ashley. And I was, I didn't want her to die either. And I was at a soccer game with my, uh, watching my boys play soccer. And a few seats down, one of the grandmothers was talking to her friend. And she said, I wish one day that our whole family could be here to watch Joey play soccer. Now, this is not my business, but I began to listen kind of closely. And she goes on to say, yes, you know, my husband and I had a baby out of wedlock, you know, many decades ago, and my parents made me give that baby up. And it's a full sibling of my other kids, our other kids. So one day, if we all might, I mean, it's my heartbeat that one day we find him. And I, all of a sudden, my brain began to just go in fast motion, like, I think that happened to Don and Elizabeth Baxter. They would have had a baby out of wedlock and Elizabeth had to give the baby away. And a sweet missionary couple would have adopted him and taken him to the jungles of (laughs) Indonesia. And there they would have been in a single plane one day when he was 17 years old and the single plane, a single engine plane would have crashed into the jungle and both those parents would have died and he would have been all alone. And he would have come back to the United States and gone to UCLA and gotten his degree in acting and become the top actor, the Brad Pitt of the day. Only he would have had all that the world could offer, but not the Baxters. Oh, and I just like not even halftime. And all the all of a sudden I called my agent and I said, there are so many more books about the Baxters. And he said, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. like write it down. Like, let, let's keep going. So that's how five became 25. 
And even still, when I write a standalone, a lot of times the Baxters are minor characters, at least. But with the TV show coming out later this year, I um, I realized that there needed to be a new book one, a way for people who didn't ever, like they've never heard of the Baxters, they're going to hear about them on TV, but they needed a new place to start in 2022, not 2002. So I wrote the Baxter's prequel because of that. That is great because I was going to ask about that. And since it's going to go into um, production, right? Have they started that yet? They have. So it's been a bit of a saga. You know, it's funny, my dad back in the day, 20 years ago, he read Redemption, formerly the book one. And he he read it and he cried, you know, he was wiping tears and smiling. And he said, Karen, oh, everyone is going to know this family. It's so great. It needs to be a TV show. And he gets like, a he pauses and he says, oh, I know. You should contact that Touch by an Angel lady, that Roma Downey. She would want this to be a TV show. And of course, you know, sitting in our backyard in California at the time, I said, well, dad, I don't know her. Do you have her number? Like, how do we, how do we connect <laughs> with her? Can you her on Facebook or what? <laughs> Right. Now it's like before Facebook. So, you know, fast forward, you know, you fast forward 15 years and I'm getting a call from Roma saying that she loved the Baxters with her beautiful Irish accent and telling me that she would be honored and would want my blessing to make the Baxters into a TV show. It's surreal. And I thought, Lord, please let my dad in heaven have a window and, you know, let him know how he saw this like so long ago. And here we are of all the people. So um, we made, you know, we worked out that as a great idea and then scripts were written. Um, I wasn't writing scripts yet. I am now, but I wasn't at the time. So I got to edit them and look at them. They were great. And they have filmed three seasons of the Baxters. They are finished and ready to go. But what happened was MGM paid for that. So MGM supported Roma as Roma was the executive producer. She's also playing Elizabeth in the Baxters, but they had to, um, they, you know, someone had to pay for it. So that was MGM. Now Amazon has purchased MGM and that deal just closed a month or so ago. So right now Amazon owns the Baxters. And honestly, I don't even think they know it. Like they purchased, it was like a $9.2 billion deal to buy M, you know, MGM. And I said, I said to Roma the other day, we were on the phone. I said, do you think they even know they have the Baxters? And she said, I don't even think they know it. So she's going to have a meeting. Her's waiting her turn to have her meeting. All the studio department heads from MGM meeting with Amazon. And then they'll be deciding, you know, exactly where, when, how that's going to work of when it will air. But three seasons are filmed. Scripts are written for four. It could go on 15, 20 years. It's, it's got so much material. So we are just excited for Amazon to, to know it and to show it. That's what they need to do. Know it and show it. Know it and show it. <laughs> that's awesome. It's kind of like, you know, if you buy a house and then you find like some hidden treasure in the wall, it's like, wow, I just You know what? This. It's exactly like that. It's exactly like that. They bought this huge house. Uh-huh. It's like a treasure trove. Now they're going through and realizing what they have. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's amazing. That's so exciting. And so extra sweet because of your dad seeing this as this has to be a family that people not only read about, but they can actually see them physically, you know, and so that, that is really great, and having Roma Downey (laughs) play Elizabeth, that, that is really special, so, and I know that you also have written children's series, right, with your son, can you tell us a little bit about that, because that has to, that's a Baxter's Kids, right? 
Right. The Baxter Children. We, um, you know, got had a little conversation with the publisher and decided that there was a next generation that would love to know about the Baxters. The Baxter stories are timeless, other than the fact that there may be a contemporary kind of reference to maybe like 9-11 or something. Then you go, okay, this must have been written, you know, a little earlier, but otherwise it's just timeless. And so we thought, what about going back and writing an like an origins series about the Baxter family when the kids were, you know, seven to 12 years old and they were moving from Michigan to Indiana and what that would have been like and just how they, they kind of began. And it's a little bit like Junie B. Jones meets Little House on the Prairie. It's just, it's so sweet and funny and it makes you cry a little bit too in the best way as children are so precious and they're children for such a short time and what they read is going to shape them. I know there's an awful lot of bad reading material out there. Some kids are just foregoing reading altogether. Yeah. We don't want that. So we we started with three and now we were adding two more. So there's um, Best Family Ever is book one. And these are chapter books you can read aloud to your family or kids can read them certainly, you know, for uh, credit in their AR programs at school. But there's a Best Family Ever and then Finding Home as they get settled in Bloomington, Indiana, and then Never Grow Up as a Ashley, you know, she's the character and the, she makes a decision that this growing up business is just, you know, not, not all it's cracked up to be. So let's just make a promise. We'll never grow up <laughs> as kids do. And so uh, that's Never Grow Up. And then this recent, uh, a few months ago, we released Adventure Awaits, and it's about a trip to science camp and all the humor that goes with that. So that, and then next year at this time, we'll have Being Baxters. And that should wrap up the five books. Uh, we're watching kids write to us and say, you know, that they're finding hope and, and what family should look like. And they're loving these books, reading them over and over and over. And that's just my greatest heart's desire is that kids would fall in love, not only with reading, but with the kind of family that the Baxters are and ultimately with their God. Yeah. Wow, that is so impactful and powerful because like you said, there are so many books out now that kids are reading that are not wholesome, that are not good for them, that are borderline toxic or maybe actually even toxic, you know, whatever is getting out there. And so for a child to be able to read this series and find out what it looks like to have that kind of a family, it could change the trajectory of a child's life because especially children that struggle with a difficult home life and there's so many now you know that are going through a lot of things and it could change how they then go forward and kind of even can break a generational curse you know god can use that to break a generational curse and and have them to be able to know what a what a family designed by god looks like and no family's perfect of course but you know we need these role models it's so important so I just love it and I had heard a quote that you had said and I just wanted to bring that up because oftentimes we in our lives we will try to step out and do something that God's calling us to do and we might feel like we hit roadblocks or we might feel like we get a lot of no's and I heard what you were saying um one of my friends had interviewed you um, on her show, Rachel Adams, and you said today no is just a bigger yes down the road. And I love that. And what is your heart behind that? Well, you know, you you go through life as it's a journey with Jesus and to wake up every day and to be excited. I always say, you know, when I when I give a my favorite talk that I give for women involves 
what are some ways that you can make a bestseller out of the days of your life? Like when people are at my memorial one day, I don't want them to be talking about how many books I wrote. I want them to be saying she wrote a bestseller with the days of her life. And to do that is to love well, first John four, seven and eight, um, to laugh often because we're going to laugh about it later. So we might as well laugh about it now. And that's, you know, Proverbs seventeen twenty two talks about having a, a healthy heart, a healthy body. If you're laughing, it's just how God invented us, how he made us um, and look for the miraculous and to live for Jesus. So those four things, but it's that look for the miraculous that helps us to go to embrace the no today, that if, if the Lord is saying, no, this isn't the time, this isn't the month the Baxters will come out. I would have loved for them to be on TV now in conjunction with the release of the Baxters prequel, but that's not what God had in mind. So it'll be a, it'll be a bigger yes down the road. But part of that is just embracing the miracle of today, trusting him that he is ahead of me his, his army of angels is around us, around our family. His spirit moves through our home and through our hearts. And so if this is a no, then praise God, that's the no that's going to be better. And sometimes that's a sad no. I mean, this isn't an example of that, but there are, you know, we pray for a healing or you pray for something that, and it really, you know, it's a tragic no. But even then we can picture Jesus with his face down in the dirt of the garden of Gethsemane saying, take the cup, like take it from me. But if not, your will be done. And what a beautiful, bigger yes, that was down the road for each of us. So that's the thing to remember is, you know, if you think your prayer didn't get answered and God doesn't love you, remember Jesus, his most dire prayer didn't get answered the way he first prayed it. And that's, that's where we can find hope and compassion from God is that he walked that path first. Wow. That is so powerful. And I know that it's going to encourage so many people today that hear that message of hope and what no really means, which it doesn't mean rejection, although it can make us feel like that. But in God's economy, it just means I know what's better for you. I've got bigger plans, better plans that you have no idea. So just sit tight and wait on me and you'll see what I'm talking about. And that's so exciting. So, I, you know, and the thing about the Baxters too, it was kind of, it kind of came to me. It was kind of funny. I feel like I could probably go to 23andMe and like find them on there and find like their DNA, their family tree. Uh, like, oh, I feel the same way. And boy, so many people who write to me and say, I want to confess something like I have the Baxters on my prayer chain at church. I don't know what that is, but I, it's like, I would say, well, if you're praying for the Baxters, just pray for someone who's going through something like them because they're so real and relatable. And we've, you know, collectively we've gone through those things already. Yeah. Well, that is like one of the biggest blessings you can hear from a reader yeah. that they put the Baxters on their prayer chain. That is awesome. And so in, are you going to be able to be, in are you in some of the different episodes that we can like try to find you yes actually what's really fun my husband and I so you know right where this book the Baxter's prequel is it's all takes place on Carrie's wedding day to Tim Jacobs now if you've read redemption you know that 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 you know there's major problems in the marriage three years down the road where Tim is having an affair and there's a stalker involved who's upset with Tim because he likes the girl that Tim's having the affair with. It's complicated, but the bottom line is we don't, Tim doesn't, you know, he's not going to make it. I mean, there's redemption for Tim, but there's consequences and he's not going to make it. So we know that if, if you know what's coming, 
reading about their wedding day is really, you know, it's just, um, it's so profound, but what, what episode of the Baxter's TV show that my husband and I get to be in is we become wedding guests for, for, uh, Carrie's wedding to Ryan. So Carrie and Ryan are going to be the long-term couple that are going to go the distance here, but we got to be, and that Doris, that was so surreal to be sitting there in a church watching Carrie and Ryan get married. I mean, it was like, it really, sometimes I just need someone to go like, are you, am I in the book or am I, am I in real life? What is happening? But it was, it was really special blessing. And they they got um, some footage of us kind of walking into the church and then, you know, sitting there watching the, the wedding. It's amazing. Wow. I know. I kind of, I like got chills when you were explaining that because I can just imagine what that must feel like to see it come to life like that. I mean, you know, yeah, it's so amazing. Yeah. Wow. I just, I'm excited about it. And I know that, um, you know, it, it's a great thing that this book is out so people can grab it and read it and get a background if they're not familiar with the family and then start watching the show. It will be like those binge kind of shows, I have to say. <laughs> I think it will. I mean, it's, it's so fun. Like I say, we have three seasons and there are, so what is it? Six hours of content for each season. So we have that much already done. And each season, um, it connects with one book. So every book gets its own season. So the book Redemption is six hours of content and down the road. So uh, yeah, it's it's wonderful. And it will be so much something people are going to want to binge because you aren't going to want to, I mean, it's like one of those, you have to know what happened next. And, and the beautiful thing is just watching John and Elizabeth, the parents, as they pray over their family, as they believe. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite scenes in one of the first episodes John, so John's played by Ted McGinley and Ted's a longtime TV star from way back in the day. He was in happy days. He was in love boat. He's done a ton of movies. He was actually in the bridge. That's Ted McGinley. So he played Charlie. Um, But anyway, Ted is, is John Baxter and he's phenomenal. And there's a scene where Elizabeth playing um, being played by Roma, Elizabeth's feeling unsettled about things with Carrie and Tim rightfully so. And um you know, John comes up, Ted comes up and, and puts his, his hand on her shoulder. And he says, you know what, let me tell you a story. And he talks about, and it, while he's telling the story, we see, so his voice goes to voiceover. And we actually see that Carrie is realizing that her husband's having an affair. But what the story is, is there was this terrible storm on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus was with his disciples in a boat, but he was sleeping. And the disciples woke him up like, don't you care? We're going to drown. Things are out of control. And Jesus stood and he said, peace, be still. And the sea calmed. And then he calmed the hearts of his disciples. He's telling the story. He's recapping this beautiful story to his wife. And we hear his his gentle, like calming, soothing dad voice that he has. And and while that's, you know, it goes to that voiceover with just him telling the story. And we see life falling apart for his daughter at the same time. That's the, the, that's life, right? John 16, 33 says, in this world, you will have trouble be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. So to hear the story of the storm being calmed while the storm is just beginning to break, just beginning to, to crash in around Carrie in, uh, in that first, in those first, first few episodes, it is just powerful. And then to see the family 
coming together and praying, you know, no matter where it goes or what happens, you see these beautiful moments of the family coming together. I I think people are going to be not only, you know, in love with that, I think it'll be a huge show, but they are going to be moved by it to realize what's important. You know, it's, it's easy to miss that and to start thinking it's about somehow about us or about surviving or about whatever. It's not, God has a much bigger plan. And if you woke up today, breathing, then the biggest thing he has for you has not yet happened. Amen. Amen. And I can see, yeah, it will bring so much transformation for people to see this. And, you know, whoever would say, well, Christian fiction, that's an oxymoron. Like, you can't be not true and true. It's like, well, this is different, okay? This is this is God-ordained, and this is going to really change lives. And so thank you so much for telling us all about that so we can get a little of our appetite wet so we can look forward to watching it. And especially if some of my listeners have not read any of your books or maybe what wasn't familiar, which I can't imagine, but I would just encourage them to to do that, you know, to pick up this book and to watch this coming out soon. I'm, I know we'll be hearing about it. And if we could, just before we close, could you tell us a little bit about that ministry you were seeing? I think that is pretty powerful. And I would love if you could share a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. We, um, we my husband and I were at a restaurant and we were at Chicago O'Hare Airport. And so we were just getting a quick dinner. It was a steakhouse and it was nice and it was very crowded. And we had a waiter who was an older gentleman and he was phenomenal. He was very good a waiter, but he, I mean, as, as much as like, I looked at him and I thought, you know, he's probably in his late sixties and this can't have been the dream, you know, but you'd be working at the O'Hare airport waiting tables. I just, I, I just, my heart kind of felt for him. And though he was so, so talented at what he did when he got off the floor, I could see the weight of the world was on him. And I just, without even meaning to, like tears, just kind of a few tears came down the side of my face. And my husband looked at me and said, like, what's wrong? And and I said, well, it's Henry, our waiter. Who's going to tell him about Jesus? And I felt so ill-prepared in that moment that all of my life, all the turns and stops and goes and yeses and nos and calendar, everything about my life led to this moment. And all of Henry's life led to that moment. And in that single moment, our lives intersected and I wasn't ready to tell him about Jesus. I, he had very, you know, six tables he was working. So I could say, God bless you. And I can leave him a really big tip, but that doesn't mean, I mean, you say, God bless you when you sneeze. So it doesn't really tell him, you know, that Jesus has hope for you. I don't know what he was going through, but something. So came home and the Lord uh, just put it on my heart and my husband's heart to, to start this ministry called you were seen. And you can find out about it at youwereseen.com. And what it is, is a pack of 10 cards that you carry around. They're sold at all the Hobby Lobbies. Now they carry them. Uh, and, you know, we, we, have, we sell them out of our home as well. So you have a 10 pack of cards, the price of a cup of coffee. You have 10 divine moments there, divine appointments. There might be a police officer, barista, cashier, a neighbor, that you have a way to take this card. And on the card, it says you were seen. So Doris, if I was giving you one, I would say, hey, Doris, thank you for what you're doing today. You're phenomenal at doing a podcast. You have so much grace and kindness. You you really are just a really beautiful person. And I want you to know you were seen by me today, but you are seen by God every day. So on the back of the card, there's the website. 
QR code, a 24-7 prayer line. Please go ahead and use that. It's a Christian organization. So this is what I would tell people. And then they can go to the website. It links to, we link, we link up with Billy Graham's website the BGEA, and they have a plan for salvation and all the help links you could ever want for any topic. And so literally one card will get that person to a place where they could give their life to Jesus. And we get analytics from Billy Graham's website, from the Billy Graham people, that every month there are people giving their lives to Jesus over the You Were Seen cards. So it's been just a real incredible blessing. And um, and you can also find that at my website at karenkingsbury.com. The Baxter's prequel has a page in the back that talks about you were seen. Nice. That is so wonderful how you were talking about each card representing a divine appointment. That is just such a a powerful thing to think that you could just something that you could hold in your hand that you could give to somebody could actually bring someone back to life and find life and, you know, give them hope that you never know because God would lead you to probably the person you're supposed to give it to. And, and whatever is happening in their life at that moment, you know, they could be contemplating serious things, you know, and so that could really literally save a life physically, spiritually, emotionally, and impact families. So, so thank you. I, I love that so much. And, and I love that it's in the book too. (laughs) So very good. Well, Karen, this has been such a joy and a pleasure having you on. I, I could just talk for hours and I know you don't have that much time today because you have you have a book launch going on today it's so exciting and so I hope to have you on again sometime well thank you so much Doris and you know you should go check out the book trailer so it's like a movie trailer but there's a book trailer for the Baxter's prequel it's at karenkingsbury.com it's even got voiceover it's really fun it's like a little movie clip in a way Uh, and you can learn a little bit more about the book but I look forward to being on your show again thank you so much so yes karenkingsbury.com and I will have those links in the show notes so that the listener can find all the things all those great things and um and grab your book and find out about that you were seen and grab some cards. And so thank you, Karen, and God bless you and your ministry. And I love everything about how you are bringing forth God's word of truth in the things that you write. And you're such a gifted and beautiful writer. So thank you so much for all the inspiration. <laughs> well, to God be the glory, always and always. So thank you, Doris, and thank you for the time. We'll do this again sometime. It'll be great. Okay. Thanks, friend. Take care, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. Wasn't that an amazing conversation? I just loved getting to know Karen a little bit better and hearing from her heart. And I love this quote from the show where she said, God has a much bigger plan. And if you woke up today breathing, then the biggest thing he has for you has not yet happened. Isn't that so encouraging? And check out the show notes because I have the link to her website and you can get that prequel that she wrote about the Baxters so you can get all caught up with them before the series releases. And I just know it's going to be such an inspiration. And people have come to know Christ through her books. And also those cards, we need to pick up the You Were Seen cards and use them. And they will just bless people so much. And I love how the Billy Graham ministry tracks those 
cards, the people that respond to those cards. And we can be a part of that, friend. We can be a part of that. So let's pick up some of those cards from Karen's website, or maybe next time we're in Hobby Lobby, we can look for those cards and start using them today. So what a great thing that we can get involved in and bless others and let them know that God sees them. And friend, I would love to have an opportunity to speak at your next women's event and encourage your ladies. So let's have a chat about that. Check out my speaker page at daraswift.com or womenspeakers.com. And I hope you'll join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.